Hey friends, today's episode is brought to you by Engageo, the leader in account-based marketing and sales with their all-in-one solution. Are you familiar with account-based marketing and sales? I mean, if you're selling to the enterprise, to big business, account-based strategies are the new wave of doing business. If you're selling to the enterprise, if you're dealing with multiple decision makers, if you need to close larger deals, then an account-based approach is a necessity. However, while there's a lot of talk out there about account-based marketing and sales, there's very little actionable advice on strategies and tactics you need to take. So our friends at Engageo asked dozens of independent sales and marketing experts, leaders in their fields, to contribute their recommendations about what you need to know to get started with it. And Engageo has compiled the collective wisdom of these experts into a most comprehensive guide that reveals everything you need to know about using account-based strategies to win bigger deals. It's called The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Sales Development. It's free, and you need it. So head over to Engageo.com forward slash Accelerate and grab your copy today. That's Engageo.com forward slash Accelerate. Okay, let's do the show. It's time to Accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 472 of Accelerate where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Now, there are thousands of you that listen to Accelerate every day. I love your loyalty. I appreciate your support. And I'd love you even more if you took a second to subscribe to Accelerate. You can do that right on your phone with the app that you're listening to this podcast on. Or you can actually, if you want to go to iTunes, leave a quick review for Accelerate. That would be great. You could also do that right from your podcast app. So thanks for taking the time to do that. All right. Joining me on the show today is Perry Marshall. Perry is the best-selling author of the book, 80-20, Sales and Marketing, The Definitive Guide to Working Less and Making More. Now, you definitely should add this book to your reading list if you haven't. It'll challenge you to look at your selling in a different perspective because, as Perry claims, quote, almost every frustration you have in sales has something to do with ignoring 80-20. So as you might expect, we're going to talk about that much more. Perry Marshall, welcome to Accelerate. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. It's an honor, and I'm glad to be talking about 8020 today. I think it's one of the most important things we could possibly cover. Oh, I agree. Okay, so you say, this is a quote, almost every frustration you have in sales has something to do with ignoring the 8020 rule. So tell us what you mean by that. Well, this is the book that I wish I had had when I started out in sales. I was laid off from my job as an engineer and my wife was three months pregnant and she was planning to quit her job after the baby came. Mm-hmm. And so all, okay, so we're in the scramble and, and I couldn't find any engineering job suitable without moving away. Didn't want to do that. Right. So, you know, kind of faced with the ugly choices. So, well, I think I'll go into sales. <laughs> when and, all else fails, let's go into sales. Yeah, and and it was it was two years of bologna sandwiches and ramen soup, and I eventually got fired from my first job, and I Which made was every um, well my sales job. I was I was selling industrial um, automation, hardware, software, cabling, networks, different things like that. Um, and, uh, that was quite a bit different from being a design engineer and I'm, I'm, uh, pounding the phone every day and I'm trying to get appointments and I'm salary plus commission and there, there's hardly ever any commission and I I'm dealing with all these distributors and manufacturers and trying to get through gatekeepers. And it was just, 
it was really quite a bit harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, I don't know what I thought, but you know, I, I definitely had some rose colored <laughs> yeah. glasses. Well, that everybody, got thinks they can, everybody thinks they can succeed in sales. Uh, yeah, I guess they do. Right. And, and so, so it, it was, it was pretty hard. And, and in fact, I, I did eventually get fired from that job. Uh, I was trying so hard, but I was just, you know, they liked me. It, it took two years. Like, you know, you're really trying and they really like you when it takes two years and they're still like, no, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. We just, we have to put you out of your misery. <laughs> We're putting you, you know? down. <laughs> I, and, and I, you know, I, I go home and it's like, it's the week before Thanksgiving. And I, and I walk in the door at like nine o'clock in the morning and my, my wife looks up and like, she instantly knows, oh, okay. So I guess that was the end of that deal. Huh? Uh, so in the meantime, you have a child. And uh, yes, and I have a child and she's been staying at home, which means our credit card balances have been spiraling upward and we've been robbing Peter to pay Paul and, and all of this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it was it was really rough. And um, there was so much that I didn't know. It's 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 hard to know where to start. Um, but, you know, fast forward, um, you know, I. I, I took a different job. That one started to work. It had a lot to do with online marketing, which I was extremely uh, studious about. And this is like 97, 98, 99. Mm-hmm. It was all started, very, right? very brand new. And I, I, I got really serious about it. I got really serious about direct marketing. I, I discovered the world of direct marketing, which back then was mostly mail order at the time. And I realized really faster than most people, hey, wait a minute, internet marketing and mail order are actually almost the same thing. They're just in a different medium. I think I can do this. I think I can learn this. Um, and then and then fast forward into you know the mid-2000s, I've actually written the world's best-selling book on internet advertising, which which is the ultimate guide to Google AdWords. Um, and, and, and so all of this stuff changed. Um, the reason I wrote the 80-20 book was after, by all these different, you know, different gurus and experiences mm-hmm. and everything else, I discovered the, the real depth of the 80-20 principle, and I started to realize that 80-20 was the simplest way to explain just about everything that ever worked, because 80-20 is the central formula of cause and effect in all of the world. In fact, the, the fact that most people only sort of know what it is and they probably didn't learn it in school and most people have it's never even been explained properly it just shows you what a huge huge secret and key that it is so okay so let's so start 80, with that then so so what explain the basic pareto principle of 80 20 that that everybody thinks they know Okay, so the part that everybody thinks they know, which which is true, is what Vilfredo Pareto figured out 100 years ago, which was it didn't matter if he was in Germany or Italy or France or Russia or anywhere. There was this funny pattern, which was 20% of the people always seem to have 80% of the money, and the other 80% of the people always seem to have 20% of the money. And it didn't matter a great deal which economic system they were using or what theory they were working under or anything. This, this was always true. Well, so 
most people have at least heard about this. And if you're in sales and marketing, surely you've heard that that 20% of your customers give you 80% of your sales. But most people stop there. Or 20% of your salespeople give you 80% of your sales. Yes, that's right. That's right. It's true of salespeople. It's true of sales. But it's but there's there's two things that most people completely miss. The first thing is that there's an 80/20 inside every 80/20. And and another one and another one and another one. The 80/20 is fractal if you know that word. Right. And so if I if I take or like if Russian I, if I Russian a, nesting dolls if you will. Yes. Yes, exactly. So so if I take a, a big giant sales force of, of, of a big giant company, uh, if, I, if they have a thousand people, the top 200 salespeople have 80% of the sales, which means that person for person, the top 20% are 16 times better at selling than the other 80%. But the, but the interesting part is if I just take the top 20% of those, which would be the top 40 the top 40 sell 80% of the 80%. And the top the top 20% of the 40 sell 80% of the 80% of the 80%. So that that what that means is that 1% of the salespeople sell 50% of the stuff. 1% of the customers buy 50% of the stuff. Well, that's a, that's the first thing most people miss. That it just it goes on and on and on all the way down to literally the last customer. And the other thing is, it's not just business and it's not just money. It's actually almost everything. If it's the files on your hard drive, 20% of the files take up 80% of the space and 20% of the 20% take 80% of the 80%. It's true of, of the traffic on the roads in your town. Well, 1% yeah, of the Yeah, roads. let's go through that example because that's, I think, help people understand it because it's a great, great example from the book. Yeah. So. Yeah, 1% of the roads carry 50% of the traffic and 20% of the roads carry 80% of the traffic. It's it's true of rivers. It's true of airline routes. It's true if if you open your Quicken and you go through your personal finances, 20% of the purchases spent 80% of the money. Um, if you if you go to any restaurant uh, 20% of the visitors consume 80% of the meals. It's, it's, it, you could take a bucket of sand. You could go to the beach and get a bucket of sand, and you'd find that 20% of the rocks and sand take up 80% of the space. That this is true all over the place, and it actually explains almost all of the cause and effect. We could be talking about rabbit populations or any number in a spreadsheet. And, and, and again, just, just like in the business examples, there's the top 20% of the top 20%. There's the top 20, the top 20, the top 20. It just keeps going. So I can look at the whole world's population, 7 billion people, and 20% of the people have 80% of the money. But it's also true. I can zoom into the Forbes 400. I could zoom into the top 10 richest people in the world. And 80-20 is still true. Hmm. Well, you, call, and, and I mean, you, so, call it, you call it a law of nature. I mean, that's really what you're describing. It is a law of nature. Now, here's why it's a law of nature. It's because of, of what we call positive feedback. So here's an example of positive feedback. Two 14-year-olds decide to drink Dr- Jack Daniels one afternoon. <laughs> okay? Sure. And one of, them, one of them likes it, 
and one of them likes it, right? Like a little more. He like he likes it maybe 10% more than his friend. Well, 30 years later, the first kid, he, you know, he does like one drink a week and the second kid drinks Jack Daniels before nine o'clock every day and he's an alcoholic. Okay. Or, mm-hmm. or, um, water starts dripping on a rock and when it starts, the rock is flat, but all it takes is those water droplets and pretty soon you know, there's a little river and there's a little indentation where the water is wearing away the rock and you multiply that by a million years and you get the Grand Canyon. Okay, both of those, those are positive feedback that behavior is rewarded, that past behavior reinforces future behavior. All you need is for past behavior to reinforce future behavior and you will get 80-20. So, all you need is a beach where the ocean is just slamming against the sand, you know, every minute and you and and the fine grains of sand will get green, uh, ground up finer and finer and finer and you'll get an 80/20 distribution. So this is so this talk is about the positive path. feedback in the sense let's say of a, a sales situation, you know, or a sales team, a sales force and how that affects the distribution. All right, so yeah, yeah. 10, 10 salespeople start out on their very first day of work and one of them uh, has a be- literally has a better day um, on, the, on the very first day than everybody else and he gets a few more attaboys than everybody else and maybe even by accident he does a few things right and so the next day when he goes out he does the same thing right again, and he gets another attaboy. Um, and then somebody takes notice of him, of him and says, hey, you know, I got this Zig Ziglar CD I think you might really enjoy. And then he listens to it. And two weeks later, that brand new sales guy is already way ahead of the rest of them just because of a few little advantages that he started out with that he he might not have even known that he had. Well, then you start multiplying, right? But but then, of course, you've got that negative reinforcement from the guy who doesn't seem to be able to get it. He hasn't had a success, so he keeps trying different things and different things and different things, and pretty soon he's kind of I mean, this is what happened to me. You know, he's just kind of drifted off course and he, he doesn't even, he doesn't even feel confident about anything anymore. Um, and, and then it, it's actually very easy for the one guy to sell 16 times as much stuff as the other guy, you know, within maybe just a few months. Um, not to mention, you know, maybe natural ability or, or existing training, like, you well, know, yeah. maybe, maybe the girl sold Girl Scout cookies and she got really good at it and she finds that selling to IBM isn't, isn't as different as, as you might have thought. So, but I think to, to your point, because I think somebody could hear your example and say, well, geez, I can imagine a situation where a sales leader says, like, I'm going to treat everybody uniformly and the positive feedback's all the same. So if you have 10, ideally they should all be the same. So, but there are other factors you talk about that create this positive reinforcement and positive feedback loop. Well, you know, the, I, I think a, a good illustration is is the is the rock uh, that turns into the Grand Canyon. You know, we could 
we could uh, we could take a piece of rock to a machine shop and we could polish it to a mirror surface and we could make sure that it was absolutely as flat as human technology could make it. But all it would take is a dripping of water and pretty soon it wouldn't be flat anymore. And as soon as it's not flat, the 80-20 cycle has begun. And then you're, you're going to have a grand. It doesn't matter how how flat it is when you start. It's never completely flat. It's never completely uh, straight. And, and sure. so, and it's so ever everything is unequal. And the thing is, inequalities multiply. They multiply and they multiply and they multiply. And so, what most people are trained to do by their schooling, their education, their conditioning is to try to equalize things. We try to make everybody equal. We try to make everything equal. We try to treat all the customers equal. What the 80-20 sales profession, professional says is, I'm not going to look for inequalities. I'm going to look for, I, I, I'm going to look for in inequalities and right. I'm going to try to amplify them. I'm not going to fight nature. I'm actually going to go with nature and when I see a feedback loop, I'm just going to put gas in the fire. I'm going to reinforce it, and I'm going to remove all obstacles. Um, and and that's actually how you get the most productive sales performance, the most productive marketing, the best Google campaigns, the best Facebook campaigns, is you actually amplify the inequalities. So let's let's can we reduce that to a hard example for the sales audience listening? So let's say you have a sales rep that's uh, calling on. Yeah, it's 100 accounts that they got to go develop as potential prospects. So um, one of my favorite uh, things that I, I put in the 8020 book is the five power disqualifiers, which my friend John Paul Mendoza came up with. And he came up with these when he, um, he was a professional gambler. Uh, in Vegas for four years, which I'll circle back to later, right? Because there's a great story there, right? I, um, so it was a great story. Yes, he he left gambling and he went into corporate sales, and so he's got a sales manager, and the sales manager says, "All right, I got these 206 leads. I want you to go see all of these people, and I want you to get orders from as many people as you can." Well, John already had enough street smarts from gambling. He knew there ain't no way he's going to get a sale from all 206 of these people. There ain't no way that anywhere close to all these people is worth the time. And he said, well, I'm going to call him on the phone. I'm going to disqualify him. And I'm going to use the five power disqualifiers. And these are the five things that are always true anytime anybody ever sells anything. And here's what they are. Number one, they have the money. They, they are only going to buy if they have the money. If they don't have the money, nothing's going to happen. Number two, they have a bleeding neck. Now, what do I mean by bleeding neck? Well, bleeding neck means that like, if you go to the emergency room with a broken arm, you think you're having a dire emergency until the lady hands you a clipboard and a piece of paper and a pen says, here, sit down and fill this out. Right? Mm -hmm. And 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 then and, and then you're sitting there two hours later and your your arm is still broken. Meanwhile, some other guy comes in and he's got blur, blood squirting out of his aorta onto the <laughs> ceiling. They they aren't going to give him a clipboard. They're going to put him right in there and they're going to help him out right away. 
Um, th that's what I mean by bleeding neck is there is an urgent problem. Okay. Do you have an urgent problem? Is this costing you money? Is this, you know, is, is somebody yelling at you about this? Did somebody get their head kicked in, in a meeting yesterday because this doesn't work or that doesn't work? That's a bleeding neck. The third thing is, is they buy into your unique selling proposition is your particular angle. Do they like it? Number four, do they have the ability to say yes? Or do they actually only have the ability to say no, but they don't have the ability to say yes? Now, this was probably my biggest mistake when I was new. I was trying to sell to people that could say no, but they could not sign a purchase order. And so I was just wasting my time with them. And I thought if I did kumbaya and play patty cake with them long enough, somehow that would change. Mm -hmm. and, Okay. And it doesn't, no. you know, and, and eventually changes. your credit card statement comes and then you have to pay for it. Right. Um, and number five is it fits their overall all plans. And, and so, and so th this completely reverses your very definition of what sales and marketing is. People think sales and marketing is a convincing people process. No, it's a disqualification process. It starts with well, who do I not sell to? Who do I not pitch? Who do I not go see? Who do I not go call? In fact, this, this brings me to the other great story that I, that I wanted to tell you. So John was 17 when he dropped out of high school and he hitchhiked to Las Vegas. Um, and he said, I'm going to become a professional gambler. And so, you know, he, he shows up and uh, he finds out that Vegas is a little more difficult than mm. he thought. Uh, you know, boy, all those gambling books, they didn't really tell me everything, you know? Um, and so he's kind of struggling and he meets this guy named Rob and Rob ran a professional gambling ring and they got to talking and he goes, would you teach me how to do what you do? And he goes for a percentage of your winnings. Yeah, we could do that. So they shake on it. And as soon as they shook on it, jump in the Jeep, John, we're going for a ride. Okay. So they're riding down the highway in this Jeep and John says, okay, Rob, how do I win more poker games? And Rob goes, you have to play people who are going to lose. And those people are called marks. And John says, where do I find the marks? And he goes here, I'll show you. And, uh, he, he pulls into a parking lot of a strip club and they get out, they go to the strip club and there's women and there's rock and roll and there's people drinking and there's bikers and, and there's all this noise and everything in there. And, uh, shall we say distractions and Rob sits John down at a table and he pulls out a sawed off shotgun out of his jacket and he holds it under the table and he opens the chamber and then he slams it shut. So it goes, and you know, there's some people that look around like, what was that? Yeah. Obviously a, sh a shotgun noise, right? <laughs> a shotgun noise. Yes. And, um, and the owner comes over and he goes, everything okay over here. And he, uh, and everything's fine. Just teaching the lad a lesson. Don't worry about us. We're not going to cause any trouble. He says to John, John, did you see those guys who turned around when they heard that noise? And he goes, yeah. And he says, don't play poker with them. They're not marks. Play poker with everybody else. Play poker with the kid that just got here from Wichita 
with his grandma's inheritance money, and he thinks he's going to get rich in Vegas. That's who you play. That's the mark. And, and oh, I got it. Now, that's called, in the 80-20 sales and marketing book, I call that racking the shotgun. Racking the shotgun is either you or somebody else sends some signal, makes some noise, and some people turn their heads and most do not. And you go, okay, I just divided the room. I now know who's interested and who's not. Who's paying attention, who's not. This is everything that you do in marketing. This is um, you bid on a keyword on Google and some people search for it and some people don't. Some people click on your Google ad, some people don't. Some people come to your website and sign up to get on the email list and some of them don't. Some of them get on the webinar, some people don't. Some people get the email, some people don't. Some people open the email, some people don't. All of this is racking the shotgun. And whether you rack the shotgun or you just pay attention when somebody else racks the shotgun, this is what marketers do. And they harness naturally existing forces. I mean, this is one of the most important things about businesses. If you're constantly fighting nature, you will never get anywhere. 80-20 teaches you don't fight nature, flow with nature. Where does the rock want to travel? Where does the water want to travel across the rock? Because that's going to turn into a river. That's going to turn into a Grand Canyon. And that's where you're going to get some water later on. Um, and you can already see it. A lot of times you can see it very early if you're paying attention. Again, that's what racking the shotgun is. Yeah, and some people use the example of, you know, don't try to divert a river, divert a stream. That's that's right. It's yeah, it's easy. You can divert a stream with a shovel, right? But a river, like it could be impossible. You have to build I mean, a dam. It could be, right. It could <laughs> yeah. it could be very, very, very difficult. And and so uh when when I started to realize this, everything I found that everything in my business matched an 80-20 pattern. And and here here's one of the uh one of the best examples of this. You can use 80-20 predictively instead of just in the rearview mirror. So the way, the way most people do 80-20 is what I did the first time I heard about it. I heard about it. They said, 20% of your customers generate 80% of your sales. I thought, is that true? And I printed out a QuickBooks report. And sure enough, like I started going through it. And yes, it was true. Mm -hmm. And I And okay, well, that's great. I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that. Well, let me, let me give you an example how you can use it predictively. So 80-20 says that 20% of your customers want to give you 80% of the money. And 4% of the customers want to give you 64% of the money. And 1% of your customers want to give you 50% of the money and so on. So how do you use that? Well, here's an example. So let's say you got a Starbucks and 1,000 people a day come and they buy a $5 latte. Well, 80-20 says, all right, so 20% of the people that spent five bucks want to spend 20. And 20% of those want to spend 80. And 20% of those want to spend 320. And 20% of those want to spend uh, 1,200. Now you go, well, what's anybody going to spend $1,200 on it? At Starbucks, well, if you go to Starbucks, 
you'll see that they sell a $2,700 gleaming stainless steel espresso machine. <laughs> okay? Right. And you can, you can use 8020 math. Uh, there's uh, my, my book, 8020 Sales and Marketing, has a, a website, 8020curve.com, where you can actually enter the data points. And it will tell you that if a thousand people are buying a latte for five bucks every day, one of them will buy a twenty-seven hundred dollar espresso machine. And it's almost as predictable as gravity. It's like a law of physics that I guarantee you, out of every thousand five-dollar lattes, one person has two thousand seven hundred dollars burning a hole in their pocket, and they want to scratch the coffee itch, and they're gonna scratch the coffee itch. And they're going to scratch it with you if you have that thing. And if somebody else sells it and you don't, then they're going to scratch it somewhere else. And this is the way the world actually works. It is incredibly predictable. Um, in my customer base, I can, I can predict to plus or minus 10% how many people are going to buy the $1,000 program? How many people are going to buy the $10,000 program? And how many people are going to buy the $100,000 program? It's absolutely uncanny. And it's based and so, on the size of your list or the size of? It's based on two things. It's, it's, ba it's, it's based on the price of one thing and the number of people who bought it. That's it. Okay, so... A thousand people spent five bucks on a latte. That's all you need to know to know that one out of a thousand will, will buy the espresso machine. Or, or you, you, know, you could come up with some other thing like who's going to come in and buy five pounds of coffee for 60 bucks. It, it'll tell you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so, you know, people coming in and out of a grocery store or people coming in and out of the New York Stock Exchange. It's all extremely predictable. And so you can, actually, you can actually do one market test, like just selling $5 lattes, and you can predict an, an entire economy that will evolve out of that just based on the fact that you're scratching a particular itch, like, I love espresso. And so... To me, when I listen to this and, and reading your book, one of the things that sort of occurred to me is that take this into the sales space, say business to business sales, is oftentimes salespeople are sort of, I don't want to say victimized, but somewhat victimized by 80 20, right? Oh, you're in the 80%. You know, we got our superstars over here and, you know, produces a lot of eye rolling. But yep. when the people who are in the 80% say, well, if I take what you just said and apply it to the customers I'm currently dealing with, Suddenly, the world of opportunity starts opening up in a way it that I never looked at before. So this really becomes a way for the way I see it as one of the real strengths is people really read and, and take this to heart. Yeah, maybe you're in the eighty percent now. Maybe you're not with that. This is this could be your ticket to being one of the twenty percent. Well, trust me, I was in the eighty percent. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was. Uh, that's why I got fired from my job. Well, here, here's the biggest thing that I figured out. I figured out that. Salespeople sell very, very differently from each other. You know, my boss at that first job, his name was Fred, and he was a really wonderful guy. I mean, I, I, I think the world of him, um, he sold totally different from me. He was what I like to call a hostage negotiator. He was just one of these people who, 
you know, he could walk into any situation and without even probably having a script or any preparation, he would just start talking to the customer and they would start talking to him and he would work this magic. He could say offensive things without managing to offend them. He could levitate money out of their wallets. I, I like, I didn't know how he did it. And, you know, I'm this former engineer just kind of trying to study the guy and I, I just couldn't make any sense of it. Uh, well, what, what I've, figured out from literally 15 years of consulting with 300 different industries, thousands of companies. I've seen every kind of salesperson and marketer that you can imagine that, that there are all these different categories of salespeople. You know, there are the hostage and negotiators, but you know, there's all, there's the storytellers. There, there's the people they'll, they'll just, they'll just start, telling you stories and, and using their words and plucking your heartstrings and, 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 uh, engaging with your emotions. There's other people they sell, they sell with numbers and proof and analytics and data and spreadsheets and graphs. There's other people like professional copywriters or video mm -hmm. editors. They'll, they'll sit in their cave and they'll hone and polish a sales message until it's absolutely pristine. And then they'll cast their net out there and they'll reel these people in. You realize how different that guy is from my friend, Fred, the hostage negotiator mm -hmm. like a totally different animal. And, and so I, I, I said, you know what? We need like a Myers Briggs test for how people sell. And it didn't exist, so I invented it, and it's called the Marketing DNA Test. And on our website, we sell it for 35 bucks. Inside 8020 Sales and Marketing, we have a backdoor link that'll get you for free. But it, it basically says, you're a hostage negotiator, or you're a copywriter, or you're a video editor. And, and, it, and it breaks all these things down. It's, it's extremely accurate. And what, what I found was I had to put myself in an optimal selling situation for how I sold. The reason my second job worked well and my first job didn't was the first job was designed for a cold calling hostage negotiator um, and like take you to the Bulls game, slap you on the back and buy you a drink kind mm -hmm, of sales guy. Mm -hmm. And I am not like that at all. I'm, I'm kind of analytical. I'm, I, I'm consultative. The, the, the new job, we had a website. I could sit there and I could test different things on our website. I could put information up there. I could put white papers up there. I could put charts and different things like that. And when people wanted to know more information, they would fill in the form. They would ask for information. And like two hours later, I'm exchanging emails with them or I'm talking to them on the phone. And I'm not having to convince anybody of anything because I'm positioned as a consultative helpful resource, you know, which is kind of another click on the sales dial. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I went from being the biggest loser to like, I remember about two months into this job, um, I were kind of late and the only people in the office were, were me and, and the owner of the company. And he's like, Perry, how, how do I keep you here? I'm like, what? I almost got, I got fired last time. He's like, no, like, you're good at this. Like you like these customers. They like you. This is obviously working. Like, I don't want to have to start this thing over with another sales guy. Like, how do we, how do we keep you around? And we ended up having this whole conversation over the next several months about, I ended up getting stock options and golden handcuffs. And, 
And three years later, the company got sold for $18 million and I got a piece and it was great. And it was so like when you, when you talk about, well, I'm a salesperson, but, or I'm a marketer, but I'm one, I'm in the 80% that are only getting 20% of the money. And I'm, you know, baked potatoes and salsa for dinner because I don't have any money. Um, I get it. And probably it's because you're trying to sell and persuade the wrong way with the wrong people. And you just need to match yourself, not, not only to sell the way that, that sells for you, but sell to people that buy the way you sell. Or, yeah, right. That align, you're selling aligns with their buying. Yes. Um, and so it, it could have to do with the product it could have to do with the kind of customer. It could have to do with the way the, the contact was made. Like, you can't be a consultative salesperson if you're cold calling. The two do not go together. A person, like a cardiac surgeon, never calls you on the phone and says, Hey, I was just wondering if you might happen to need heart surgery anytime soon. Like, that doesn't work, right? You'd get a lot of argument from people, some people about that. Well, I mean, there's a whole, I think there's a new conference going on. Although I don't no, think, I know there's a new conference going on, um, I think in April of this year, which is, you know, sales experts who specialize in new business development and prospecting, cold calling. Well, so those, those guys exist and, and I'll admit it, but all I'm saying is if they're not doing consultative selling, they are they're working the deal a different way. They're pushing a different set of buttons. They're getting in front of the right people a different way, but they're, they're not perceived as an authority on a subject. I mean, this is why I write books. I would much rather be on your podcast, having people listen to this, buy my book and eventually come to me and go, Hey, we need some of your expertise. I would much rather do that than cold call. Now, God bless the people that can actually make a living cold calling. I never could do it. Mm -hmm. it and and it, it, it was, it was for me, it was like $10 an hour work when I could be doing $100 an hour or $1,000 an hour work. Right. Yeah. Well, don't, yeah, don't underprice yourself. So, That's right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Otherwise, we could keep on talking forever. So, Tell people they can get in touch with you and learn more about you, what you do, and your books. Uh, we have a very special price for the 8020 book on my website. You can go to Amazon and buy it for about 15 bucks, but we'll ship it to you for seven, uh, including shipping in the U.S. If you go to perrymarshall.com slash 8020, perrymarshall.com slash 8020. And um, the reason that we do that is because if we can engage in a relationship with you from the get-go, and if you can watch how we sell and what we do, we have a highly choreographed online sales machine that people love to get our emails. They love to be on our webinars. They love to, to participate in the things that we do. And I think, I think you will find the process by which we sell to you to be every bit as educational as the book itself. So you can go to perrymarshall.com slash 8020 and get yourself a copy of this book. And I think this book will change the way you see everything. You'll never, you'll never see a column of numbers. Or you'll never see a sales team or you'll never see a customer the same way. Excellent. 
Yeah, and then, yeah, learn the concept of the, your power curve, all that stuff. Very interesting, as you said, to change your perspective on things. So, well, Perry, thank you very much for being on the show. Well, thank you. It was a delight to be on. And, um, you know, I just want to wish your listeners the very best and, you know, keep tuning to the Andy Paul podcast for more <laughs> interesting characters who will twist your brain and make you think new thoughts. Well, that's what we're trying to do. That's the mission here. Get people to think differently. So, Pierre, again, thank you. And friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Remember, come back, join us again tomorrow. And until then, really appreciate if you take a moment, go to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast. If you haven't done so already, leave a review for Accelerate. We really want to hear what you think we can do to help you succeed in your work. And thanks again for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>